Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiaga Prem. This week on the show, we're going to talk about Christianity. We're going to talk about the church. And believe me, y'all, this is not just a, hey, you should sign up and get saved conversation. This is looking at the dark side. This is looking at the challenges. And also, hopefully, by looking at that, we're going to find some healing ourselves in our own journey, whether we're believers or non-believers, whether we grew up in the church or have never stepped foot in the church and probably never will. This show, we're talking about Jesus, and the name of the show is If It Weren't For The Christians I Know. I think you're going to love it. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go. All right, y'all, just like I said in the introduction, we're going to get into it. There was a quote that I heard years ago that Gandhi apparently said. I mean, I wasn't there or anything like that, but it really stuck with me, and uh, it inspired a piece that I've written recently. You can find it on the journal at tiagaprem.com, and the name of the piece is If It Weren't For The Christians I Know. And then I thought, we got to do a Revealing the Diamond episode about this. I think it's going to be great. There's a lot in there, so I hope I can do it in one episode. Let's see how it goes. It might be a two-parter. But the quote from Gandhi that inspired this, that's been kind of kicking around in the back of my mind for many years, is he said, I would be a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians I know, essentially. You know, that's paraphrasing. But he basically said... He really loved Jesus, was inspired by Jesus, and would have been a follower of Jesus if it wasn't for the church and Christians that he had been around. Uh, they left kind of a bad taste in his mouth, and and that's been my experience. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor, and I eventually turned my back on all of that, and then recently have reconnected after a hard experience with physical sickness. Um, I I found, like, facing my mortality, I found that I was praying to the God of my youth. When I was a little boy, I had a deep faith in Jesus, nothing about dogma or religion or fire and brimstone, nothing to do with that, but having a deep connection with an, an invisible friend who was always there for me, and then I shoved it aside because of experiences that I'd had with religiosity, with dogma, with people, and, you know, it's been a challenge, and it's been a journey, and I I just thought, you know, that quote has been with me for so long, and I've put a lot of blame and judgment on Christians in the church, and, you know, Christians in the church have caused a lot of pain and suffering in the world as well, and and I, I let me tell you this, the whole reason that I make content, whether it's Revealing the Diamond podcast, whether it's the work that I do on tiagaprem.com, the whole reason that I teach and share, the whole reason that I've been on a spiritual journey in the first place is about healing. And I want to be a part of the healing. And I've been through a lot of pain and suffering in my life, and I'm ready to step up and be a part of the healing. And part of that is being open and honest with my relationship with Jesus, open and honest with my relationship with the church, and open and honest with my relationship to Christianity. So here's me taking a crack at it and doing my best. Uh, I'm glad you're here, and thank you for tuning in and listening. First, I want to give a big thank you to our longtime sponsor. Uh, thank you so much, Minds Die, for everything that you've done for the show. 
Uh, I'll, I'll be rocking some Mind's Dye on the episodes. If you all want to get custom dyed fabrics, really beautiful pieces. Um, they've made bed sheets for my wife and I, shirts, They, you know, you name it. They've made really incredible uh, pieces. And you can get custom dyes too for your home and for your wardrobe. Just go to the Mind's Dye uh, on Etsy store or check out the Mind's Dye on Instagram and get yourself set up. All right, so I hope you enjoyed uh, the last show where we talked about addiction and recovery. Um, I really enjoyed doing that show, and I shared a letter from the journal, and I've been writing a lot. I've been writing and writing and writing, and uh, I'm feeling very inspired to produce content, and thank you so much, everybody who's reached out about that show and just shared how much you loved it. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that. And and then I wrote another piece recently called If It Weren't for the Christians I Know. And I thought, we got to do a show about this. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to refer to the article as we go through uh, the show, and then that'll inspire more conversation. So that's kind of how the show today is going to unfold. Um, but before we do that, quick heads up uh, for two things. Number one is that the new course, Quick Fix 6, is available. It's a yoga course. It's for people who are looking to be more grounded, be more flexible in their body, create a physical practice that has a spiritual element. So if that's you, get the Quick Fix 6. You can get it at tiagaprem.com. Super affordable. Um, And if you want a taste of what the yoga is like, just go on our YouTube channel and you can see there's a, a, a little practice that you can do about half an hour just to get a taste of what that might be like. The second thing is is that these shows, when I do the topic, I'm calling it the message, they come out on Sunday, but there's also going to be shows on Friday, and the shows on Fridays are going to have interviews, and they're also going to be like a radio show with music, okay? In order to hear the music, you have to subscribe on Spotify. I know I've got a lot of loyal listeners on Apple uh, Podcasts, and that's amazing, and keep listening there for sure. Um, I'm so grateful for all the positive reviews there. And in addition to that, Spotify, you can now rate uh, podcasts, so please rate there and subscribe there because I can play music on there like a DJ. And those of you who know me for a long time know that I've got a past in DJing and sharing music, and so I'm really stoked about that. So the Friday shows will start to have music, but you won't get it on Apple Podcasts. So you got to have both kind of plugged in uh, to, to hear both. And those, you know, you're not going to hear the, the music on the YouTube version as well. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. They found a way around some of the copywriting so that artists can uh, get the recognition they deserve. I mean, for me personally, as someone who has played in bands and played music, um, I just want people to hear my music so that they'll come to my shows. I don't want people to not hear me because some uh, corporation says you know oh well that doesn't fall under the copyright law come on get with the times it's time to uh, support artists and we got to be creative about how we do that because live music has been affected in a big way and and album sales and that kind of thing so that the long story being short without getting into the politics of the whole thing is please 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 subscribe, rate us, and review us on uh, Spotify if you love the show. And that way, when the Friday shows do come out with music, you can get access to them. Okay? All right, let's get into it. So I mentioned in the intro uh, this quote from Gandhi that, you know, if it wasn't for the Christians I knew, I would be a Christian and have a relationship with Jesus. 
And uh, that one always uh, stuck with me. And I was reflecting on some of my experiences and I was inspired to write this piece. And so I wanted to share it with you all, loyal listeners on Revealing the Diamond. And uh, so let's go through it together and I'll kind of share some little quips and insights as we move along. So it starts like this. I had a prayer practice before I even knew what that was. What I really had was a real friend that I could talk to about anything. An invisible friend, right? My, my sister had an invisible friend named Teapot that she would talk to and interact with and play with and dress up with, and she loved Teapot. And I had the same thing, but mine happened to be uh, Jesus. So that's who I spent my time with. Did you have an invisible friend? If you, do, if you did have an invisible friend, send me a little note and let me know about who, who yours was. Uh, but then when I began to attend public grade school, I realized that some folks didn't share the same affection that I had for my invisible best friend. So even at the young, young age of elementary school, there were folks with baggage, religious baggage, um, and, and that was obviously being passed on by their family. Or, or I, I'm, I mean, I don't really know what the experience was. I'm looking back to, a long ways to, to just noticing that it wasn't cool. In fact, it turned out that some kids didn't think that a relationship with Jesus was cool at all, and I wanted to be cool. From the moment I set foot in that local school, I was on the hunt to be liked, to be seen, to be appreciated. That's happening big time on a global scale with social media and all of these things, right? You know, sure, we may want to be famous and we want to make money and we all, but at the root of it all is we want to be liked to be seen, to be appreciated. And so I set my invisible friend aside. I would check in from time to time, but most of my time was spent trying to attain the one thing I craved so badly, and that was attention. A doctor told my parents that I had attention deficit, and we all thought that meant that I couldn't pay attention to the teacher's lesson in class. Turns out it meant I wasn't feeling loved, and so I went out to seek what I lacked attention attention deficit you know the queen song can anybody find me somebody to love it's not a very good uh, freddie mercury is it but that's the that's the deal right we want to be loved we want to be seen i've got a young daughter here down in mexico where we're living and she wants to be seen seen by her father seen by her mother seen by other people i mean sometimes she wants to hide but generally we want to be loved and accepted. That's it. We're, we come, we're born like that. We're born in love. And when we don't feel loved, it feels like something's missing. And so we go out to seek that. If we, if we haven't learned to seek that within. When I was 13 years old, things started to get a little more challenging than my usual trips to the principal's office for talking back to the teacher or making crude jokes to pick up a laugh or two from my fellow classmates. It was around this time that I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. 13, like I just, I look at my daughter and I think, oh my goodness, I hope that, uh, I hope that I'm present enough to, and setting a, a good example around substance as a person who doesn't drink or take drugs, um, set a good example for her without pressure or shaming. So I'll do my best, and I'll keep you all posted as we go along. For now, she's, she's shining, she's open, she's honest, and I'm so proud of her. 
so proud of her. So I started experimenting uh, with drugs and alcohol. And with this came sneaking around and lying to my parents. And with dishonesty, problems begin to multiply. That's what happens with dishonesty and addiction. Another Friday night would come and I would tell my parents that I was staying at so-and-so's house. And once the party had died down, I would find myself alone, sick in some strange bathroom or urban forest, talking to my old friend again. Please, Jesus. Get me out of this mess, and I'll never drink again. I'll go to church. I'll be good. I'll do whatever it takes. Just save me from this sickness. I said that so many times you'd think eventually I'd get bored with the routine and move on to something else, but I didn't. My prayers would always bring comfort in some form, but I was fickle and acted like God had nothing to do with the comfort. It was the greasy food, or the day spent in bed, or the marijuana, or the the fill-in-the-blank. I was never a very loyal friend, and to be honest, I'm just learning about what that means and how important it is to be trustworthy in my early 40s. Once I was feeling healthy again, which was usually by the next weekend, I would repeat the whole cycle, and this pattern went on and on, on and on for years of my life. Some people believe that hell is a place of fire, of, of fire and brimstone that you go to if you don't accept the Lord and Savior into your life. In some sense, this is true for me, but not so much a place you go to after you die, but rather a reality you create for yourself when you stop listening to love, when you abandon yourself and the ones who love you for a bottle, for a high, for something that's making you sick. Then that becomes a way of life. For me, that was hell, a place where I was separate from my family, separate from myself, and separate from my invisible friend. There was, however, a moment where I nearly came back to him as a teenager. If it wasn't for the Christians I knew at the time, I probably would have. Good segue, right? Somehow I ended up attending a summer Bible camp with a friend of mine. He was a church friend but a punk rock friend. We met because both of us had parents that would make us get up and go to church on Sunday morning. We also went to all-ages rock shows together, wrote songs together, and went vintage shopping together. And we smoked weed together, got drunk together, and read books by Kerouac and Burroughs together. Looking back, I feel like God placed him in my life as a lifeline, And to be honest, there have been so many lifelines. I was just too blind to see them at the time. And I look forward to sharing these lifelines with you on Revealing the Diamond. Church on Sunday in my family was mandatory. Even if I stayed out late on Saturday night, I had to go. Looking back, I can see that this helped keep me out of trouble. I'd show up, slouch in my seat, sip coffee coffee from a styrofoam cup, make eyes with the teenage girls whose parents also forced them to be there, and whisper about the new albums we were listening to with my cool church friend. Let's call him Dave. The great thing about Dave is that we both shared an obsession with music. His father was the music director at the church, so he had to go too. And he was also a spiritual guy, which meant he was open to most experiences, including church experiences. Sometimes he even played guitar in the praise and worship band, 
He said it was because, you know, it would get his parents off his back. Eventually, our love for music became a band of our own. Him on lead guitar, me on vocals, two other friends on rhythm guitar and drums, and a revolving door of bass players that changed pretty regularly. But as I mentioned, things were getting difficult for me at this time. My relationships at home were strained, and there was a possibility that if I didn't clean up my act, I would no longer be able to be on the basketball team, which despite all of my delinquent behavior, was really important to me. So I started to open up, not a lot, just a little, to the church, and even started to explore a relationship with my dear old friend Jesus. My friend Dave and I started going to youth events at the church. I even started singing along quietly to some of the praises. <laughs> quietly, I, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm into this. Part of me is into it. Part of me is like, I don't know, should I be doing this? Um, so I even started singing along quietly to some of the praise and worship songs. We started to build a circle of friends within the church, guys and girls. We'd meet up at the youth group, and we were having fun together. We'd go on the ski trips together, that kind of thing. We showed up as best as we could to be a part of it all. It was around this time that I felt like things were really turning around for me. We decided to attend summer Bible camp, and I was genuinely excited. My sister joined in, and our parents decided that it would be a good idea to come to the family night that they had. They had a family night, right? You go to the camp, and then a family could come for one night, that kind of thing, and you could have an experience together as a family, so they agreed to come. I'd spent so many years driving our family apart with my lying, stealing, partying, and substance abuse that I felt like this camp could actually bring our family back together. And to be honest, it was a really powerful experience. In the chapel at the camp, that is. You'll see where I'm going with this, but when I was in the church and having the experiences with the music, I was having this profound experience, but outside of the chapel walls, I was going to face a test of faith. Outside of the chapel walls was another story. There were a lot of young people from other churches and other cities. We played games, we ate outside, and I reconnected with my sweet old friend Jesus. Dave and I stood out big time, though. We were the only punk rockers there. I had purple hair and safety pins for earrings. He wore band tees and polyester pants. And it became apparent that we made the in-crowd of young men at the camp very uncomfortable. The young men who would raise their hands and sing praises in the chapel, embracing their brothers with tears in their eyes, of course only their brothers who looked and dressed like them and who were a part of their clique, were the same young men that constantly harassed me and my friend Dave. They pushed us around They talked trash about us behind our backs and to our faces. They took our clothing out of our cabin and put it in the freezer. And one night, one of them even put toothpaste in my curly purple locks. And when you got a lot of thick curly hair like I did back then, cleaning toothpaste out of your hair is not, not cool. It was humiliating. We nearly had a fist fight a couple times a day. Luckily... A young woman, let's call her Annie, took it upon herself to keep the peace between the different groups. Two against ten, we felt like David and they were Goliath, which seemed odd because in our eyes, they were the faithful ones. 
Luckily, the battle never happened, thanks to Annie. That summer at camp, I opened my heart and made myself vulnerable for God to work through me. I was willing to come home to Jesus, to do the necessary work to face my addictions, to be a better son, a better brother, and a better student. While these young Christian men did everything they could to deter me from having the healing experience I was seeking, and from my vantage point, they seemed to be doing it in Jesus' name. This experience closed my heart once again. As I mentioned, it wasn't all bad. I had profound prayer and praise moments in the chapel, and then there was Annie. Sweet, sweet Annie. Annie was the girl at camp that every one of these jerks wanted to make out with. And when she started to pay special attention to me and Dave, I mean, we love the attention. But as for our bullies, they were pissed. She sat with us, sang with us, laughed with us, and told the asshole patrol to take a hike anytime they came around. Annie brought so much extra warmth to that summer. She was beautiful in so many ways. But her beauty and constant encouragement for me to step away from the harmful patterns I developed over the years wasn't enough to keep me on the healing path. We stayed in touch after camp. I even went to a stadium Christian revival in her hometown. My friend Dave and I drove up there. But, of course, we snuck away during the sessions to smoke marijuana, and I would come back at the end of the day so I could get a kiss from Annie. She made me feel ten feet tall but I was beginning to feel like she was way out of my league. And at the time, she was. She came to visit me once more at the end of that summer. We spent an afternoon laughing, kissing, and holding hands. And when she left that evening and kissed me goodnight, I knew that would be the last time I ever saw her. And it was. The pain I'd experienced up until that summer camp was heavy. And being there was truly a time when my heart was open to change. I felt like myself for the first time in a long time. It felt good to be back with my old friend Jesus. But the young Christian men at that camp played a role in reinforcing a belief system that I've carried most of my life until recently. And that is, Christians and the church are hypocrites. So even though I had a revival experience at camp, I also had a reinforced belief that I don't want anything to do with Christians, their church, or their version of Jesus. Who knows, if it wasn't for the Christian bullying I experienced at summer camp, I may have turned it all around. Or maybe I just wasn't ready yet. Or maybe God was helping me cultivate strength, forgiveness, and faith. Who knows? It wasn't long after this that the challenges in my life multiplied yet again. I left home as a teenager to live on the streets. I couldn't stand the pain anymore, and at least on the streets I could be high all the time. I didn't have to fight with my teachers or my parents. I could just wander around, searching for the next opportunity to check out, you know, leave my body, leave my pain. I saw a lot of violence, poverty, crime, and addiction living on the streets as a kid in the city. And I did what I had to to survive. I turned my back on Jesus, yet I still always felt like he was there for me, like someday I could come home like a prodigal son once I was done exploring and experimenting with other gods, idols, drugs, etc. But that return felt a long way off back then. 
Two things happened when I was out on the street that impacted my life in a major way. This is a vulnerable share, y'all, so I'll do my best to uh, stay clear as we move through. And, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this work, and I hope it touches you in a way that will inspire healing. Two things happened when I was out on the street that impacted my life in a major way. The first was that my mom came to look for me. Yeah, we had our challenges. She didn't like the music I listened to or the friends I brought home or the books I was reading on Eastern philosophy. I realized now she was just trying to understand how and why she was losing her son to addiction. But at least she cared enough to come and look for me. She found me one evening in a park getting high with some other kids. And she didn't make a scene or embarrass me. All she did was bring me some food, ask me if I'm okay, and tell me if I wanted to, I could come home. To me, that was an act of Christ. No rules, no dogma, no bullying, no cliques, just love. The other incident that impacted me and still does to this day is that I also saw my dad on the street. He worked downtown, so he had the suit, the tie, the briefcase, and everything that goes along with that. We passed each other in the train station. I tried to avoid contact with him, but there was no way to hide. I felt ashamed and two inches tall. It was a strange feeling. It was like I wanted him to see me and to not see me at the same time. We made eye contact for a moment, and all he said was, You should come home. Your mother misses you. My heart sunk and broke a little more. Had he said, please come home, I miss you, I probably would have gone home that very day. Instead, I came home much later in life, in the back of a police car. I told the cops as soon as they dropped me off that I'd be back on the street again. They didn't seem to care. Just had to fulfill their responsibility of returning a minor reported missing to his family. I slept in a bed that night for the first time in a long time, and my family and I were able to come to some agreements to at least get me through high school, which I'm grateful for. Those Christian bullies helped to harass my faith away, what little was left of it anyway. It made me feel small, and not even the love of a beautiful, confident woman could save me. Looking back, I can see where I got lost. I put my faith in Christians who were hurting people just like me, instead of the best friend of my youth. I thought that if I could just do better, be better, then I would be accepted by those people I thought were committed to the same path of doing better and being better. And I'm sure they were. They just needed a friend. I just needed a friend. We needed someone to see us, to love us, to tell us that we were good enough. And now I can see that many of us who go searching for God, the reason we go searching is that we feel broken. We just want someone to love us, to tell us that we're okay. I put my faith in idols, which, by the way, included the church and Christians, rather than a friend who is closer than any friend can be thinking that I had to perform to be free from my suffering. But through the years, I've learned that that freedom comes through faith. It's not about doing so much. It's about grace. There's nothing that I needed to do 
except show up and learn to love myself. Keep showing up for the healing. And I can see now that God was there for all of it. All I really had to do was talk to Jesus. Tell him like I had as a boy what was really going on with me. No expectations, no religion, no dogma, no nothing. Just trust. And an open and honest heart. I didn't learn how to do this till much later in life. But I'm so grateful for the lesson. And I hope that my sharing this inspires someone out there to open their heart to the healing of their old friend Jesus. A person who is saying, I would love to come home to Jesus, but Christians and the church? No way. Is that you? I talked to some people recently who said, I'm so inspired by what you've been sharing about Jesus, and I feel called to come home. I love the music. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the prayer. But the church? I don't know. Christians? I don't know. And I'm hoping by sharing this, we can bring a healing. And that healing doesn't mean that you have to do anything. It just means, can we show up and be open to work through a forgiveness process? Can we show up in prayer just between us and God, whatever that looks like for you, and just pour out your heart with with no (laughs) rules? I recently heard a gospel song that went like this. Shake up the ground of my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. I'll make room for you. How do we know what your way is? That's going to require us to really listen inside of us. And there are so many different aspects that can help open us up. You could read scriptures. You could sing You could train your body to be strong and healthy. You could really explore what is your vision in life, where you're being called, what's your destiny. You could engage with a recovery practice. You could go to therapy. You could, I mean, there's so many wellness practices that you could participate in, and and I recommend them all. And underneath that, just talk to whether you call it, I like inner knower or God or Jesus or however you understand that in your mind, just pour your heart out and do it regularly. And that will establish a relationship and reconnect you with that part of you that you may have been distant from for a long time. And it was never far away. For me, it was never far away. I would just act like it was far away. And the more I would act like it was far away, the more pain I would have to pass through to remember that it's always there. Shake up the ground of my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. I will make room for you. And that's been my process. Knowing that there are, has been, and probably always will be problems with religion, problems with tradition, problems with the church, problems with addiction, problems with dishonest behavior that lead to a lack of trust. But God does not leave us, even when we don't trust ourselves. God doesn't stop trusting you, loving you. And Jesus never left me, not even once. 
Not at the camp, not when I was being bullied and harassed, not when the beautiful girl was trying to save me, not when I left home and broke my mother's heart, not when I was wandering the streets high, not when I was being brought home in the back of a police car. God has never left me. I've tried to leave God over and over and over and over again. You can go back to previous episodes of this podcast and hear me say, I don't even know if I believe in God. And over the last two years leading up to this spot, I was still trying to make peace. But that making peace was with my my pain and the part of myself I didn't trust. And I realized that underneath that, my sweet, invisible, dear friend who was there from the beginning is there in the same way. I just didn't know how to connect. And all I had to do was ask. And I'd come back to God when I was broken, and then I'd go searching for God again, as if God was somewhere out there. Once again, I'd find a church, a community, a religion, a a tradition, a recovery meeting full of other broken people. And when I'd find out that they were all broken, you know, I'd get hurt. And, and I, my expectations that this person would be perfect, that the, my yoga teacher would be perfect, that my guru would be perfect, that my community would be perfect, that the sponsor at the AA would be perfect, that the person who was giving me advice for my relationship would be perfect. I would be let down because I put this person on a pedestal or this group or this ideology or this dogma on a pedestal. And when it would come crashing down, I would say, see, God doesn't work. That's idolatry, my friend. It's not about praying to a statue. It's about placing something above the part of you that is free, that is born in blessing. Your connection to the supreme consciousness, the presence that is everywhere at once, you put something above that and, and pray to something above that or put it faith in something above that and sacrifice what you know to be true within you. It's going to come crashing down, including the church, y'all. And there's good in those things. I'm not saying, you know, oh, you put that on a pedestal. You, you shouldn't have anything to do with that in the first place. No, I'm saying look for the good in it. Know there's going to be challenges in it because that's part of this reality And then underneath what you're learning, you're learning from the scriptures, you're learning from the church, you're learning from the recovery meeting, you're learning from the relationship. You're not expecting perfection, you're learning from it. And then underneath the surface of those learnings is a friend that will always be there for you, up, down, high, low, no matter what, but you've got to participate in that relationship. And when I'd find out that they were flawed, I'd blame God. I would think there's something wrong with God. But now I see that in all those rooms, people are just learning to open their hearts and minds. They're seeking a healing that hasn't blossomed yet. There are seeds in those rooms that need to be nurtured and loved, not put on a pedestal by the lost. Now I'm learning to be real with God, real with myself, real with the people that I'm in relationship with. I'm learning to trust, learning to be vulnerable in my prayer life. It's not a show, y'all. Just be real. And it's taken me 
20 years to start. And that's why I'm here on the show talking to you right now. Because the more I do this, the less weight I carry. The weight of expectations from other people and for other people. I've come to this place where I can see that I don't need Christians to be perfect to have a relationship with the best friend of my youth. I don't need permission from any group or organization to have faith. And I don't need anyone to validate me or tell me if I'm doing it right. All I need to do is go to God with what I'm going through. And when I do, I come away with a beautiful reminder. And that reminder is, each of us are born in love. Because God is love. It's right there in the scriptures. I've felt it. And when I turn towards that love, when I'm feeling tempted, hurt, apathetic, unloved, that love is so faithful. It's just been me who's been unfaithful, who's forgotten how to trust. And so, Christians, I forgive you for all of the harm you've caused in my life, and I ask for your forgiveness for all of the harm that I've caused in yours. We're a family. I used to reflect on this quote often. Here's the quote. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Gandhi. Now, don't get it twisted, y'all. Gandhi had his flaws. Two. A man with pain and problems. But I would use this quote to excuse myself from looking at my past. I would use this quote to excuse myself from a relationship with the church, from looking at my pain, and in doing so, I would turn my heart away from God. Because I've turned that in I've turned my past into an idol. I turned the church into an idol that had control over me. And it had control over me because it forced me to turn my back on that healing space that I know is true. And now I realize how it was just me being hurt and refusing to open my heart to heal, like Jesus did. So in closing, I'd like to propose an edit to this Gandhi quote, and I would encourage anyone who is listening to this who has been hurt by Christians or hurt by the church to take its message on as a practice. And this includes non-believers. Christian churches and Catholic churches have caused a lot of pain on this planet. And that, that's a deterrent for folks. It's Like, whoa, I'm not getting near that. Did you know what they did? And that's where the teaching that Jesus gave that's so profound is to remove the log from your own eye because we've all caused pain. And we want to do better. And so having these conversations is about doing better. So I'm proposing an edit that I would encourage you all to take on as a practice. And you could reread this as a prayer in your daily, daily life, and you can get this on the journal at tiagaprem.com. But here's the edit that I'm proposing. I love and am so inspired by Jesus. You can leave that part out if you don't feel that way. But if you have felt like that in some, le- in some point in your life, you can say it. You know, make it your own. I love and am so inspired by Jesus. And I see how so many people who also love and are inspired by Jesus 
are engaged in a healing process, one that has been going on for generations, like the pain of my parents and their relationship to Christianity and the church, and the pain of my grandparents and my great-grandparents, and the pain that indigenous folks here in North America have experienced, and globally, you know, and the inquisitions and the all missionaries that have caused all kinds of harm. So I'm engaging. I'm taking personal responsibility for the healing process as best I can. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to do my best to participate in this healing process that has been going on for generations. Even if no steps for healing have happened in my line, they're starting today. Because that pain with no steps is still a part of the process. And I pray that every person who has prayed to Jesus in their life would find peace in their heart and would be inspired through that connection to bring healing to the harm that has been caused on this planet in Jesus' name. And I don't just mean in Jesus' name make the prayer come true. I mean the harm that has been caused in the name of Jesus. May we all learn to be a little more like Jesus. May we learn to forgive one another like Jesus. And when we fall short, may we embody compassionate forgiveness. The world needs mercy right now. The world needs compassion right now. And part of that is looking at our past. And part of that is looking at where we no longer trust ourselves and where we put idols on pedestals and denied ourself and denied our inherent nature, which is love, y'all, and pushed that aside because we were starving for attention. And I'm still not completely comfortable with calling myself a Christian. I'm going to be honest. With all this love that I have for Jesus, I'm still not completely comfortable calling myself a Christian. And I'll keep working on that healing. And I encourage you all to do the same. One thing I've learned as I share today, God is faithful. And it's not about labels. It's not about idols. It's about an open, honest heart. And just to close, I want to say, I may not be comfortable calling myself a Christian, but I will no longer allow anyone to decide for me whether I'm doing it right or wrong. Because that personal relationship with my inherent nature, which is love, that is who I am, and nobody can take that from me. I've given it away so many times. I've tried to block it out. I've sold it. I've put it you know, in other beings and teachers and relationships. and it's, I'm, You can't take that from me anymore. No one, Christians included, is going to get between me and my love for Jesus. My sweet, sweet, invisible friend who's been there all along. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. It's a great honor and pleasure to be able to share with you. If you love the show, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends. This is a powerful episode. If you want to read the article, I'm just going to put the finishing edits on it. And by the time you hear the show, it will be available. 
If you use the app Medium, check me out on Medium. I'm writing on Medium now. It's a wonderful app, a great place to gather uh, information and insight, inspirations. Also going to start doing some meditations on Insight Timer. So look at that. If you would like support in your journey, go to tiagoprem.com. There's lots of resources there to support you. And the best thing you can do to support me is to sign up for courses, to share the content that I'm sharing, and to uh, just tell people about the work that that I'm doing. Um, I feel so inspired, as you can tell from today's show, to share. Somebody, my friend wrote me, I don't have my phone in here, otherwise I'd share with you, but uh, my friend wrote me and uh, he grew up in the church and he's got a lot of uh, baggage around Christianity in the church. And he wrote me after the last podcast and he said, your cadence is like a pastor, a motivational speaker, and a spirit teacher. And when he said that, I was like, that is exactly what I'm doing with this, y'all. I feel inspired to be a pastor. I feel inspired to be a motivational speaker and to encourage and uplift, to give people the enthusiasm to explore and to step into their destiny, and also to be a spirit teacher and share the different modalities that I've learned and not allow anybody to say, well, you can't share that way. Because God is faithful and God will guide. As long as I'm committed to admitting where my faults are, where I'm in pain, where I'm struggling, the more open and honest I can be, the more likely I can do the work. Because the suffering isn't, is not going to go away. That's part of life. But if I keep showing up and I'm committed to being a part of the healing, to being a part of the uh, compassion and wisdom and strength during this time and service, we can really we can heal y'all personally and interpersonally and and this planet that we live on so i'm grateful for every single one of you thank you thank you thank you for all the love and support i hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you all very soon thanks for listening i'm tiago prem this is revealing the diamond bless you <laughs>